Let us pray. May the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please be seated? When you think of the end of things or the afterlife, what do you imagine? What do you picture? If you're anything like me, I often, at least used to, picture life in the clouds, right? Leaving this hard and dark world to live in a better place somewhere up there. With all the pain and suffering in the world, we want the words of the old spiritual song to be true. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. At times, this world definitely seems like a place to escape, doesn't it? Think about even how we use our time. It's kind of built in with with escapism, right? The amount of time we spend watching TV or movies or playing video games or all of these things that we do to try to escape the world. It's interesting, though, that when we read what Jesus had to say about his return and when we read these last few chapters of Revelation as we are this this Advent, we don't actually see escape. The end of history is less like that spiritual song, as great as the song is, and more like the words of Tolkien's incredible character, the admirable hobbit Samwise Gamgee. Toward the end of the Lord of the Rings, the return of the king, Sam sees his old friend Gandalf, and he says to him, Gandalf, I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happened to the world? What's happened to the world, Jesus might say to Sam, at the end of all things, is that, yes, everything sad has come untrue. That is what the end is actually about. Not escaping this world, but the hope and the promise of recreation, of all things being made new. That is what Revelation 21 shows us. All things being made new. And so this morning, we're going to speak about recreation, about what Scripture shows us being recreated and what is gained by recreation, why it's so much better than the escapism that we want to embrace. And so let's begin with looking at recreation, the truth that the end is actually a new beginning. Beginning in verse 1, we read this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Right away in this first verse, we are having some assumptions challenged. Because our assumptions have actually got the direction of things wrong. We think we go up 
right? We fly away. But what we see here is the new Jerusalem, the new and glorified city of peace coming down, coming to us. There's nothing about us going anywhere. In my early days as a Christian, when I thought about what the new heaven and the new earth was going to be like, I have to admit, I kind of pictured something like the Lord teleporting us Star Trek style off of this planet and onto a new one, a more perfect one. And that's where we would get to stay with him. And then he would just wipe out the old one, right? He would destroy it as if it was never there at all. As fun as it would be to be teleported, that, that's not anything close to what we read here, is it? That's not what happens here at all. The new heaven and the new earth, they aren't new because they're somewhere else, but because they have been made new through the work of God. All creation is purified. Sin and death are cast away forever. Right? Remember what we read last week, those portions of Revelation 19 and 20. They were celebrating the victory of God, celebrating the final judgment of God and his victory over Babylon and all that is evil. This now comes after that. Evil has been defeated. God has triumphed completely. And the sin that caused the fall of mankind and all creation has been destroyed forever. That is the work of recreation. God acting just as he did when Christ first came to see his people and his creation live freed from all that has plagued us. You see, friends, recreation is far more in line with classical, biblical Christian theology than escapism ever has been. After all, when Christ came, he came to make us new, right? Remember the words of Paul from 2 Corinthians 5. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away, the new has come. The very heart of the work of Jesus Christ is recreation. Taking the sin stained me and you and covering us with his righteous robes. And so the end is like what Christ has already begun in us, being extended beyond us out into all of creation. After all, when we think of the fall, don't just think of humanity going astray. All of creation fell. Not one single part of creation functions in the way that it was created to. And so his work is recreating all of it. All that has fallen. Behold, Jesus says in verse 5, I am making all things new. And so imagine that for a moment. Think about the beautiful things in this world. And there are many. As hard and as difficult as this life and this world can be sometimes, there is 
countless joys and so much beauty to see in this world. And so think about those things for a moment. Maybe it's that, that walk on the, the forest path that you love so much. Or maybe it's the, the mountain view or the sunset that just causes you to catch your breath. Imagine those things just for a moment. But then imagine them made new, made perfect. As much as you think they're beautiful now, it doesn't even come close to describing what it will be. Imagine seeing life, seeing this world as God created it to be, not marred by sin or death. Imagine seeing yourself that way. Pastor Daryl Johnson wrote this. He said, The biblical vision of the future is not a wish dream. It's not an escape from reality as we know it. Rather, it is a remaking of reality as we know it. It is a redeeming, a making whole of reality as we know it. Friends, we will not fly away. But we will see the hope of recreation realized right before our eyes. We will see ourselves and all things made whole. That is what we have to look forward to. But I want to say something about the the looking forward for a minute. Because as we all know, the truth is, things are not recreated yet. You don't need me to tell you that. It's blatantly obvious. In fact, the work of recreation that Christ has done in the believer, that he has done in the Christian, it's still hampered by the sin that exists within us and within this world. We are new creations, but we are new creations that long to see that that newness be fully realized in us and in this world. And so that that mixture of the, the hope of what's to come with the failure of this present age, it can leave us thinking that life is just all about getting through it, right? Stiff upper lip, toughen up, just get through the day. We just white-knuckle our way through life, and then we get to the end, and we're like, whew, thank God that's over. And yet we read this in verse 6. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give springs of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God And he will be my son. Friends, these words are eternally true. These are not just words for the end. They are eternally true. Jesus is the beginning and end of all things. He began creation by speaking it into existence. And he will have the final word. In fact, he is the final word of history as we know it. But we shouldn't allow ourselves to stop at at that statement 
as being just about time stamps in history. We want to think deeply about this. We want to think more fully about this. Yes, he is the beginning and the end, literally, but he is also the purpose of history. He is the end, the goal, the the reason for all things. And it is in him that we find our end, our purpose, our reason for being. They are found in Jesus. As I have said many times, the answer to that question that people think is so confounding, right? Why are we here? Stumps so many people. But the answer is quite simple. We are here to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's what we were made for. Jesus is the reason for our being. He is the beginning and our end. And while all of that will be culminated in this moment of recreation that we read about today, Since Christ has come once, that work of recreation has already begun. Since he has invited us to drink the living water that he gives, we who believe in him, we are granted glimpses of that recreated life even in the here and now. It is still marred by sin, yes, the the sin that's in and around us, of course it is. But as the new creation that Paul tells us we are, with Jesus as our purpose and our reason for being, we get to have these foretastes of the world to come, the hints of the world made new. Just as Holy Communion is a foretaste of the marriage supper of the Lamb that we read about last week, so we are given moments of following Jesus which serve as a foretaste of everything sad coming untrue. Think for a moment about those moments in your life and realize that it's not just slogging through to the end. It's not joyless, even in the challenges. It's not meaningless, even as we wait the fullness of what is to come. Life is not empty, though we await being made whole. Think about those moments. Those moments when you have been blessed or you've blessed someone else. Not for any gain of your own, but to simply love that person. Think about those times when you've seen God's hand at work in and through you. Maybe it was some kind of physical healing. Or maybe it was a reconciliation, an emotional healing, a bringing back together of relationship. For me, it's often when the Lord calls one of my friends to faith in him, and it's usually a friend that I assume there was no chance they would ever believe in Jesus. Jesus once again showing me that I know nothing. Or maybe it's that miraculous provision right in your moment of need. I think about a friend of mine who back when him and his wife were in school, they were completely broke. Fridge basically empty, no idea how they were going to buy groceries. They hadn't told anyone how bad things had gotten. I don't know why they hadn't told anyone, but they hadn't. 
Then one night, an older couple that had kind of been mentoring them, that really cared about them, they just took them out for dinner just to bless them. That's all it was, just a, a dinner, a nice time together. After the dinner, the, the husband of the couple took my friend aside, and he said to him, I believe the Lord wants me to give you this. And he handed him $200. My friend gladly received it and just started bawling in front of him. Now that, that in itself wasn't a big deal. He's a crier, so it's almost expected. But he was so incredibly touched and blown away by how the Lord acted through this couple to bless them with exactly what they needed when they needed it. This couple had no idea the state that my friends were in. They just wanted to follow the Lord's leading. And because of that, my friends got a glimpse of new creation life as they saw how the Lord miraculously provides. And this older couple got a glimpse of new creation life as they were given the joy of being used by the Lord just to bless someone. As we prepare with hope for the Lord's return, don't convince yourself that life is just this grind. There are hard days, of course there are, and we don't minimize those. But since Jesus is the beginning and the end, since he is the one who gives to the thirsty the waters of life without price, we who have had a work begun in us, we get to see glimpses of new creation, of his work fulfilled. And so allow those moments, allow that truth to strengthen your hope to strengthen your longing to see Jesus, that we wouldn't just have glimpses, but we'd get the whole thing. Because, friends, what is being recreated is absolutely incredible. That's how I want to close this morning. I want to just quickly highlight just a couple of the things that are being recreated here. And the first thing that we see recreated is recreated relationship. Verse 3, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. There's been times in my, in my life with Christ that I've almost been jealous of Adam and Eve. Because they actually got to walk around with God. Their access to the Father was just... Remarkable. Imagine being able to just walk beside Jesus, living with him, speaking to him, and then hearing him respond, not just through scripture, as incredible and wonderful as scripture is, but actually hearing him and seeing him face to face. That's what was lost at the fall. That's what we all lost at the fall, and that's what we get back at the end of all things. It's like those videos you see on YouTube and other places of the, the military families reuniting, right? Have you seen those after a really long deployment? And the family has no idea it's happening. And then, you know, out of nowhere, the serviceman or woman comes around the corner and everybody's happy and they're crying and they're hugging and they can't believe that it's happening. And I'm pretending like I'm not actually crying, that it's you who's crying. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> 
You're just filled with joy, right? It's an incredible thing to see. That is nothing compared to what reunion with God will be like. Nothing. It's a sliver of a taste, of a hint of the recreated relationship that awaits those who believe in Jesus. That we get to live with him directly. No longer seeing him as through a mirror, but seeing him face to face. Our relationship will be so perfect that we will have no need for a temple to worship in. We will not even need sun or moon to light the path for us. For his holiness and his glory will so fill us that we will walk by him and him alone. For all who are in the Lamb's book of life, we will have a recreated, perfect relationship with our Father. And because that relationship has been recreated, life as it was meant to be is recreated. Verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Imagine for a moment everything that plagues us, gone. Cancer, gone. Dementia, gone. Anxiety, loneliness, depression, all of them, gone. Broken limbs, broken hearts, broken minds, broken souls, all of it healed. All of it recreated. All of it perfect. And it's because we'll be with him. Not in part, but in whole. And it's not just physical and emotional health. Not just perfect bodies and minds and souls that we have to look for, but also perfect peace. Perfect security. Because there's nothing to fear anymore. The everlasting life that awaits the believer. It is so secure that when we read about the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, the way that it is described in minute and exacting detail in verses 12 through 27, we we read there of these high walls and these 12 gates with 12 angels firmly rooted on 12 foundations. And there's so much that we could unpack there if we had the time. But the point is simply this. This is a place that no enemy could ever breach. This is a place that is so secure that you would never have to fear anything at all. And yet, we read in verse 25 that the gates of this city will never be shut by day. Now think about that for a minute. Put yourself back in the ancient world for a minute. You spend all that time... All that effort, you build this incredibly secure city with these high walls that no one could ever hope of breaching. And then you leave the gates wide open. Why would you ever do that? 
You kind of negated the point of the whole building, didn't you? Except if there are no enemies anymore. If everything there was to fear, if everything there ever was that could harm you is gone, then you have no need ever to shut the gate. You have perfect security. All that is detestable, all that is harmful, it has been cast away so that all that is left is perfect goodness, peace, and life. The gates are flung wide open and they're left wide open because we're with Jesus. All there is is perfect goodness, perfect love. I can't speak for you all, but that sounds a whole lot better than some kind of escapism. I can't speak for you all, but I don't really want to fly away from that. I want him to come. He can't come soon enough. But history is coming to an end, friends. It is. And what an end it will be, because it is the end of all that is wrong. The end that God has always desired for us. The wonderful pastor theologian Eugene Peterson wrote this. The biblical story began quite logically with the beginning. Now it draws to an end, not quite so logically, also with the beginning. The sin-ruined creation of Genesis is restored in the sacrifice-renewed creation of Revelation. The products of these beginning and ending acts of creation are the same. The heavens and the earth in Genesis, and a new heaven and a new earth in Revelation. The story that has creation for its first word has creation for its last. We will not fly away. We will be made new. Creation has the last word because he who spoke the first word of creation is the one who has recreated. He is the beginning and the end. He is the purpose of all life and all life finds its hope and peace and life in him. And so when Jesus comes again, we will not fly away. We will not escape from this world at all. We will be with him. We will live with him, and we will have the life he has always wanted for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.